all through the Psalms. This is the, uh, I quoted this Psalm last week. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's where the temple is. That's where you wanted to be. There's a whole series of Psalms. They call them Songs of Ascent. And you just sing these songs. If they had cars, it would be their road trip, you know, uh, uh, list. The Songs of Ascent where they're just, we're going to Jerusalem. Yeah, that's where everybody's going to be. But they, t- they took them from Israel, from access to Zion, Jerusalem, all the way to Babylon. And so they're sitting by the river Euphrates and other you know, rivers that go off of the river Euphrates as captives. They're not allowed to go back to the promised land. And that's what they're moaning and groaning about. Let's see. I can jump all over here, and I'm, I'm going to try to stay on, stay on task, stay on time. So now here's where it gets bizarre. This is where it becomes one of the weirdest sections in the whole Bible. And uh, a non-Christian is like, yep, that's why I'm not a Christian. That's why, because that verse is in there. See, the God's fake and false, and it's all hypocrisy, and God's an angry war God in the Old Testament. God wrote the Bible so that hard-hearted, sinful people would blow up on certain passages. He did. He, he, he can keep himself hidden, his kindness. He, God is exactly who Jesus, the person of Jesus, was when he walked the earth. He loved everyone. He wanted to heal everyone. He wanted to forgive everyone. Well, that's how God has always been. But you'll come across things in the Bible when humans are trying to sort things out and they don't have their heads on straight. And those things are written in the Bible. When the Bible says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Is God up in heaven like, wasn't there some guy named Tad lives in Manhattan, Kansas? Oh, yeah, he's praying this morning. Oh, there he is. Okay. No, it's just written. It's our human experience. So sometimes people are flipping out and they're saying really crazy stuff. So here you have some of God's people stuck in a horrible situation, taken away from everything they thought was good and pure and wonderful, and life stinks. I'm going to read a passage in a minute uh, from centuries before this, where God said, if you keep disobeying me, he basically describes a depressed person. He says, when you get up in the morning, you're going to say, when is night going to get here so I can go to sleep? And when night gets here, you're going to say, when is night going to be passed? And when you get up in the morning, he says, you're not going to be able to be awake. You're not going to be able to be asleep because life is going to just be awful. But we're not so concerned with, you know, people centuries before the birth of Christ moaning and groaning about being in Babylon. We're like, but this, does this have anything to do with me? Well, yeah, this is how we feel. This is how so many of us feel. And I think this would especially apply to those of us who at some point had a commitment to Christ. And then we just decided, hey, I'll take it from here. You know, Jesus, give me the wheel. You know, I'll take it from your hand. I'll do this myself. I'll, I'll, make, I'll date who I want to date. I'll party where I want to party. I'll get the job. I'll do with my money what I want to do. I'll forgive who I want to forgive. I'll hate who I want to hate. And we just disregard him. And then we find ourselves in some foreign barren land. And when we are up in the morning, like I I just want to go to bed at night. And when we're in bed at night, we can't sleep because of all the worries and concerns in our head. And we're like, life is miserable. 
everything that's written in the Bible is going to apply to us. And so much in the Old Testament does by way of uh, analogy. Um, so here we have these miserable people. They're captive. They're dreaming about the way things should be, the way things used to be, the way things were. But watch what they do. This gets bizarre. So take a deep breath. And where does their mind go once they start complaining? Remember, O oh Lord, against the sons of Eden, Edom. Those are like uh, kind of subcontracted military for Babylon. Against the sons of Edom, uh, the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, you devastated one. How blessed will be the one who repays you with the recompense with which you have repaid us. How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little one, little ones against the rocks. This is crazy. This person, they're weeping, crying, complaining, bemoaning their circumstances, saying, I long for the good old days. God, pour out your wrath upon the people who brought us to this place. And I just walk around the park and I pray. And when you come across a passage like this and you don't know what to do with it and it doesn't make God look like Jesus, put it on your big old theological back burner. There's a good explanation for it. You just don't know it yet. Don't get all troubled and act like this is the definitive word about God in the Bible. If you want the definitive word about God in the Bible, where do you go? Well, Exodus 34, 6, yeah, but Jesus, who is the incarnation, like Susan was saying, of the person of God. If that doesn't sound like something Jesus would do, take someone's baby by the feet and dash his brains out on a rock, then that's not what God is up to or God wants from us. There's something else going on in this song. Yeah, some of you are like, I just I feel dirty. I just want to leave. I just want to get out of here. That's just like the weirdest scripture I've ever come across. So I want to ask you a question. The people who are singing this bizarre song, where are they? They're in captivity. They're in bondage. They're stuck. They're stuck in bad. They're stuck in their circumstances. Now, the really weird thing is they're stuck in their circumstances. Now, now, what caused them to be there? Ultimately, was it their captors? Was it the Edomites? Was it the Babylonians? The Babylonians? No, it was their sin. It was the fact that they had idols in their temple, that they had thrown off. There's actually a time where a God challenges the prophet Ezekiel. He says, go through Jerusalem and try to find a single person who loves me and serves me. Find me somebody. In all of this, this and this is before um, the Babylonians came and took the, the, the nation of Judah in three different waves captive to Babylon. They're just, I remember doing a paper on the book of Ezekiel in 
uh, Bible college a long, long time ago, when I was the age of a lot of you guys, early 20s. I was shocked. You know what kind of sins were uh, they were mentioning? Among other, th- just all kinds of sexual perversion, and um, incense, uh, incense, <laughs> incest, incest, infant sacrifice, all, all this kind of crazy. It was it was wild, and but I had been in the church long enough, and I had Christian friends, and I said, you know what this sounds like? This sounds like the Christian church. This sounds like the Christian church. Immorality, adultery, incest, and then well, we don't kill our infants. Uh, yeah, we do. We most certainly do. We killed, uh, you know, a million times more in- infants than Israel ever even dreamed of murdering. Uh, Roe v. Wade just got overturned. But uh, I don't even know the tens of millions. What's the most recent number? 60 million. And Susan was just reading to me about one of the major evangelical denominations when this decision was first made. They're saying, no, we think abortion, evangelical, Bible-believing, born again. We think abortion's fine in this case, in that case, in this case. Yeah, this is the church. There's no incest going on in the, yeah, and God, among God's people. So what, what am I getting at? Well, a lot of us personally say, look, I'm Bible-believing, I'm born again, and my life stinks. I got depression. I got anxiety. I'm on my third marriage. My kids are running wild. I'm addicted. I can't. We feel like these people crying by the rivers of Babylon. And so who do we lash out at? The left. The left. They're the ones who did it. And what do we pine for? We pine for the good old days when we were a Christian nation. When was that? Tell me about it. Did you actually research that or is that some fantasy in your head? Oh, yeah, all the founding fathers, they were born again Christians. No, no, they weren't. Really, they weren't. They weren't. Well, a lot of them are deists. Some of them are super high church, but they were not. They were not uh, George Whitfield, you know, John Wesley, Bible believing born again Christians. So when, when was this time that this is a fantasy? You're dreaming for this fantasy and you're condemning your oppressors. And uh, you're remaining stuck by the rivers of Babylon. And you go to church and you don't really feel like worshiping. Sing us the songs of Zion. I don't want to praise God because I don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't know why I'm here. Oh, yeah, I do. It's them. Kill them. Dash their babies on the rock. And you know what happens? And this is what's happening in God's church. We're becoming just like the Babylonians. We're becoming just as ruthless as the Assyrians. We're becoming just as hate-filled against the people that we think are causing all our problems. But the thing that just keeps coming back to me, where are these people? Stuck. Stuck in Babylon. Because you will never get out of Babylon if you think your problems are due to your enemies. The problem with the American church is the American church. And the problem with the the, the salvation and the healing to come to America is not when we straighten out the left. It's when we straighten ourselves out. And it's just really easy to be filled with that same kind of hatred and say, yeah, what they did to me, let's do it to them. Yeah, let's go buy some guns. That's what we need, more guns. Jesus would have been put on the cross if he had more guns, man. That would have taken care of business. I, somebody said that the other week. I may be stepping on some of your toes here. You need them stepped on. 
So, what is the spirit of Christ? Does Jesus say bash babies' heads against rocks because we're so ticked off at our enemies? Now, it might not be your political enemy. It might be the family you're raised in. It might be that person who did you dirty. It might be that ex who cheated on you. It could, whoever, whoever is the, who you think is the cause of your misery. Now, there are some people in this church who are definitely victims, and victimization does happen. And so I'm not, I'm not saying all pain and misery in life is justly deserved, but so much of our pain, uh, we, the way out of it is to say, I did this to myself. And that's going to be your ticket. So what does Jesus say? What, how, do, how do we view our enemies, according to Jesus? You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yeah, dashed their baby's brains on the rock. That's what that psalm seems to be saying. And maybe someone listening to Jesus said, yeah, amen, hallelujah, Psalm 137, Jesus. Jesus says, you're missing the point of Psalm 137. Because it takes the Holy Spirit's guidance. When the Bible says something and seems to say it's opposite, you have to figure out why. And God's a genius, and there's a reason that he did it that way. You've heard it said, love your enemies, hate your, en- you, 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 uh, love, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I said you love your enemies. This has always been God's heart. You even find this in the Old Testament prophets. That's why Jonah's such a mind blower. I'm not going to do a sermon on Jonah, though. I'm just going to back away from that. Okay. It, Jonah will blow your mind if you, if you study it out what the real message is, is that the people who are enemies who we think deserve death, God wants to give them the same grace that he gave to you. And Jonah said, I ain't talking to him because I'm not there. I'm not tracking with you, God. I want grace. I don't want them to have grace. But he said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons and daughters, of course, because that masculine is used to cover the whole board in in the Koine Greek, sons of your father who are in heaven. He causes his son to rise in the evil and the good, sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Those are like the most reprobate. Again, I've said those are like IRS agents who have been hybridized with mafioso. So those are like mafioso IRS agents, if you could combine the two. Um, they were hated. They were turncoat. They were, they, were, they were betrayers of the Israelite nation, taking the money away from their own people, giving it to the oppressors. He says, the most wicked people in the world love those who love them. But, but, but there's nothing supernatural about that. If you greet your brothers only, what are you doing more than others? Don't even the Gentiles, the pagans, the heathens, the idol worshipers, the people, anybody can greet people that are kind to them. But he says, you're supposed to be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. People get all wrapped up. Oh, I can't be perfect. We can't be sinless. You're missing the point. Look at the context. What is he saying? You're supposed to love everybody, including your enemies. So again, I showed you this map and we're just, we're just using this by way of uh, the, the Old Testament just has a lot of great visual aids for us. Do you feel like somebody who wishes they were in God's good graces, celebrating in Zion, worshiping God, the object of his favor and his blessing, but you feel like you're in captivity, crying with your heart hung up on a tree, 
feeling like you've been kidnapped and taken away from everything that's good? Well, a lot of the church does right now. Kids are rebelling. Marriages are blown apart. We're addicted to all kinds of stuff. Uh, Do I even want to go there? And I've got to be careful not to look anybody in the eye because, of course, there's people in this room that are addicted to stuff. And, of course, there are people in this room that are depressed and that are anxious. Is that God's will? No, it's just not. Joy unspeakable, full of glory, the peace that passes comprehension. That's the freedom of the glory of the children of God. According, I'm quoting scripture. This is, this is our inheritance. But that's not how most Christians feel. They feel like, I'm going to hang my harp on a tree. I don't got much to sing about. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about this, but if you want to know why they were in Babylon, go read the contract in Deuteronomy 28. He said God gave him the Ten Commandments. He gave him 613 other laws that related, related to those Ten Commandments. He said, live by this. I'm going to bless your socks off. You're, you're going to be prosperous. Nations are going to be borrowing from you. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be victorious in every battle. Nobody's going to be able to stand before you. Go read Deuteronomy 28. Just blessing, 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 blessing. But then he says, if you spurn me, if you defy me, if you want to do things your way, God told them, I'm trying to think, about a millennium before they went off to Babylon, I will send you off to a foreign land if you don't want to do this thing the way that it needs to be done, the way I created it to be done. You will end up in, you will end up in a foreign nation. So the Lord will scatter you. This is almost not quite a thousand years. It's like 1500 and, and the later prophets were written you know, 600-ish BC. <clears throat> Moreover, the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. There you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which your fathers have not known. Among the nations, you'll find no rest. There'll be no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, despair of soul. You're like, see, I know it. God's just so mean. No, you don't understand the theology of judgment. Uh, some of you guys are too, there's only a handful of people in here who remember Burger King's old slogan, but a Burger King's old slogan, does anyone remember what it was? Good. Have it your way. Have it your way, Burger King. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us, right? So God says, look, I don't have to rain down fire from heaven. You want to have it your way. I'm going to go back to my throne room and weep and your enemies. You want to go flirt with your enemies? You want to go sleep with your enemies? You want to go get in contractual relationships with your enemies? Then your enemies are going to require more and more and more and more until you're used up and wrung out and depressed and have nothing left. And then God says, well, maybe you'll want to check back in with me because I'm the source of every good thing. But you want to have it your way? I'll let you have it your way. And I'll let you have all the consequences that come with that kind of behavior. If you want to be blessed, I created the system. I can show you how to do it. I can give you the power to do it. And we can enter into a relationship because that's that we can't do it wrong and be blessed. We have to do it God's way if you want to be blessed. So he says this. You'll hang Your life will hang in doubt before you. You'll be in dread day and night. You'll have no assurance of your life. In the morning, you'll say, would that it were evening. In the evening, you'll say, would that it were morning because of the dread. 
of your heart, which you dread. This just goes on and on. Let's see here. He says, you got to be careful to observe the words of the law, etc. So the Old Testament, of course, is an old covenant. A covenant's an agreement. And the closest thing we have in our culture is a marriage. And it's like God's people, we marry God. Just get rid of all of our weird human aspects of it. It's not anything sexual, but it's deep covenantal. Uh, covenants cover all sorts of relationships in the Old Testament. A king and his people, um, but especially God. Friends can make uh, con- uh, covenants of friendship like David and Jonathan. Nations can make covenants of peace so that they don't fight one another. God says, I want to make a covenant with you. If you keep your side of the covenant, I'm going to bless, 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 bless you. But then God says, you break your covenant and you want to go do it yourself. You're on your own. And this is a wicked world. We need a protector. We need a guide. We need a provider. Um, yeah, it's brutal out there. So, again, he says, if you're not careful to observe all the words of the law, which are written in this book, to fear this honored and awesome name, and that's Yahweh, the Lord your God, the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants. And again, he doesn't have to cause them. They're just built into the system. <clears throat> Do I use a graphic, disgusting Example. Might as well, because this is the real world. Um, a person who walks in their sexuality, that God, the way that God created their sexuality, two people that do that and then go to the altar, the way God wanted them to go to the altar, they have zero chance of getting a sexually transmitted disease. Just a small example of this. There's things built into the system that will wipe you out. Not just physically like that, but psychologically, et cetera. But that's just one example. So uh, I don't even know. I'll I'll just leave that one alone. I just don't want to go off on another sermon. The whole universe is set up like that. Do it God's way. Be blessed. Don't do it God's way. Be cursed. A, A person who tells the truth regularly and keeps their word. They're not, they don't have psychological issues like looking over their shoulder, afraid that their past is going to catch up with them, right? There's just so many things built into the system like that. Cooperate with God. It works out really nicely. You don't. The judgments are built in, and you'll get run over by a truck and run over by a truck and run over by a tank and get run over by a train, and then you'll say, God, why are you doing this to me? And God's saying, I haven't been involved in your life in the last 15 years. What are you talking about? This is all of you. You're just reaping what you sowed. So this is what happened to Israel, and this is what happens to us. So uh, another psalm. I'll get to look at my time here. A lot of this, that is, that's one of the darkest lines in all of Scripture. You have this person who's so angry at their oppressors that they want to murder their children. That's bizarre, weird. It's not the spirit of Christ. <clears throat> now, also throughout the psalms, you have this these psalms of when God does return his people to the place of joy and peace. Now, some of you have been in darkness and have really come to know the deeper things of God and the rest of God and the joy of God. You will resonate with these words, even though they're talking about people going back from Babylon to Zion. But it says, when God, when the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Reminds me of a young guy that, we 
helped get off the street and out of darkness and out of a chaotic family years ago. And when we just started our discipleship program in our previous church, he said, sometimes I just drive around in my car and I cry because I cannot believe life can be so good given where I came from. This is what God wants for you. This is. And this is what a lot of us in here have experienced. And then there's some people who just go to church because grandma wants them to, and they're missing everything. God wants you to have a real experience. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Have you ever laughed for joy during worship? Anyone? Let me hear an amen. Wow, you guys are really weird. No, I have two. You're just like, are you kidding me? Look at these friendships. Look at these answers to prayer. I used to yearn to have a clear conscience. There's a Bible verse that says, Paul said, God, who I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. I remember reading that going, what would it be like to have a clear conscience? My early walk with the Lord, I have a clear conscience, man. I'm like, my, my mind is like Lake Placid. I don't have voices on my head anymore. I don't have depression or anxiety. Me. I, I can't talk, but I don't have anxiety. God says when, when he brings us back to that place, we're like those who dream. Our mouth is filled with laughter, our tongue with joyful shouting. And then they said among the nations, like, check those people out. Why is God working with them? Why is he blessing them? They said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. That's literally the next line, but I was going to say it before I looked at that. The Lord has done great things for us. Right now, <laughs> he's done great things for us because this is his will this is what he wants we're not going to get there longing for some fantasy good old days that we've never experienced that someone told us about and blaming our enemies or oppressors or the people that made our lives miserable because we participated with them in sin or their involvement in our life as a result of our sin so restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south, which is basically in these different parts of the world, they, their, their life cycles around dry seasons and wet seasons. And so you go to these, uh, the Middle East, you have these wadis and they're, they're like washed out. They look like rivers, but there's nothing in them. But when the, when the rainy season comes, you see, uh, so restore our captivity, just like you restore these streams um, that are dry during the dry season or during a drought. Bring the water, bring the flood. Bring the lushness back to the land. Those who sow in tears will reap with joyful shouting. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall surely come again with a shout of joy, carrying his sheaves. So basically what he's saying here, God brought us back. How did we get back? We started to shed some tears. Tears of longing to get home, to get back, to get back to the place of blessing, but also being realistic about what's going to get us there. It's not the people that hate me, I hate them back. Forget that. It's that Christ-like attitude. God, the same mercy that you've had on me, have on them. That's what he taught us. Blessed are the merciful, they're going to receive mercy. So uh, a much more appropriate prayer to get someone out of Babylon, the rivers of Babylon, that miserable place of depression and anxiety and frustration and nothing works and I can't break through and everybody's cheating me and I have a bad name and I'm always looking over my shoulder and I'm neurotic and I'm on meds and I'm going to three specialists. And what we really need to do is say, is this on me? 
Is this on me? Now, again, Susan said, make sure there are some of you who are victimized and we got to work through that. And that's not on you. But a lot of times that distorts our souls and we become victimizers after we're victimized. It's just crazy how the world works like that. But that's a different sermon. But what I'm talking about here, so much of our misery, we did it. We caused it. And so as I'm preparing this, you want to see a much more appropriate prayer that will spring you out of Babylon? Look at how a prophet like Daniel prays in Daniel chapter 9. He's in Babylon. He's stuck. The, the, the king looked for the best and the brightest of these different nations, and then he would take them and have them serve in his court. So if you read the book of Daniel, you got uh, uh, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is hard to say. When I was a kid, I always wanted to say Abednego, but it's Abednego, servant of uh, 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 Nego, which is a god, a Babylonian god. But anyway, da Daniel, he's serving the king in a foreign land. But he knows why they're there. He knows why the nation is there. So listen to his prayer. Righteous, righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us is open shame. Young person in this church trying to take a strong stand for the Lord, speaking to a pastor the other day, got upbraided and slain by that pastor because he was trying to get this man to uphold honesty and sexual purity in his church. That pastor took out his frustration on this individual. Why? Because the church is nuts. All this young person was saying is be honest and hold to standards of biblical sexual integrity. And this pastor said, you're creating a mess and you're et cetera, et cetera. That's, but that's common in the church. We think we can magically turn fornication into a blessed marriage. It will never work, never has worked. I won't do it in this church. I won't even do it. If you're fornicating and you're a couple and you say, hey, pastor, do your magic wand over this uh, perverted relationship and let's turn it into a God-blessed marriage. It's not going to happen. It won't be a God-blessed marriage. It's going to be a hellish, horrible, difficult marriage because you're playing games with God and holy things and sacred things. So he says, to us, Lord, open shame as it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those who are nearby, those who are far away in the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds, which they have committed against you. Open shame belongs to us, O Lord, to our kings, our princes, our fathers. We have sinned. <laughs> We're not going to vote some Messiah into office through the Republican Party. Are you kidding me? The Holy Spirit will come when God's people own their junk. And then he will be happy to escort us from the rivers of Babylon back to the glorious reality of the presence of God instead of some fantasy of some... I, we have this in our mind, what a godly nation is and was and looks like. It's never happened, never will happen. But if you study history, there are times when God's spirit comes in power and changes everything, takes over whole countries. It happened in the United States in 1858, 59. It happened in 1905. 
another sermon for another time. It's happened in other countries, Wales, 1904 to 1905. God used to come and just take over. When? When we vote the right people into office? When we hate the other side enough? No, when we own our stuff, when we say, God, to, our, to us is the blame and the shame. Forgive us. God, we are living for money. God, we are addicted to porn. God, we are letting our children commit acts of sexual immorality and sit with us in church with their girlfriend, boyfriend. We are approving of homosexuality. We are, you know, sneaking off and having abortions. We, you know, that's, that's God's people. Now, I'm not trying to condemn people because, again, I told you, this is the month where we celebrate all this stuff, and now the churches are trying to celebrate it. Well, I guess we just want to keep pushing God further and further away. So, God, we're not going to celebrate it. We're not going to kill people, condemn people either, because any of, we've, oh, we're all so guilty. Nobody has a leg to stand on. We're all so guilty before God. But we're going to say, God, we're not going to call good evil. We're not going to call evil good. We're going to come back and we're going to say, forgive us, cleanse us. The reason we're here is because of us. And we're going to make a way for the Holy Spirit. So this is, this, again, this is Pride Month, and we're celebrating all these things that used to be mental disorders, moral deviance, et cetera. Now we say, no, they're normal, they're good. No, it's just a culture gone down the tubes, and now the church is saying, no, we're going to celebrate it too. Um, and God's like, no, don't, don't do that because I, you're keeping me locked out. Psalm 24 says, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. And Psalm 24 tells us how to let the king of glory in. Uh, and, it, and it's basically through repentance. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He has clean hands. That means you're not doing anything that God doesn't want you doing. A pure heart, which means you're, not, you're doing the right things for the right reasons. And then we're going to have the manifest presence of God in our midst. So this should not be a month of pride for us. It should be a month of repentance and grief and self-reflection and self-evaluation. And just like Jesus told, you know, the, the men who wanted to stone the adulterous woman, okay, you want to condemn those people that are trying to bring in those unrighteous policies? Well, let's look at your history. Let's look at your past. Do you have a right to pick up a stone and kill them? Are you clean? Are you free of bitterness? Are you, are you walking in sexual purity? Are you walking in honesty, financial integrity, etc.? If not, that's why we are figuratively by the rivers of Babylon weeping. And the solution is not wrath to my enemies. The solution is ours is the shame. So I'm not going to read this whole prayer because I'm running out of time. Look it up. Daniel 9. Ours is the shame. I'm going to, let's jump to the end of it here. So now, God, listen to the prayer of your servant, his supplication. For your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on this desolate sanctuary. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation, the city which you've called by your name. We're not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merit of our own, but on account of your great compassion. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, listen. And I like to say, and move because our prayers move God. Take action. For your own sake, of oh God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. <clears throat> Bearing the name Christian right now is not an honorable thing in this society. What does Christian mean? It means mean. It means I got a gun. 
It means I hate homosexuals. It means whatever people think it means. The word evangelical that used to mean something means almost nothing anymore. We're just in total chaos. But if we want God's healing, we want God's power, and we want to be the solution for those people that really need it, that are way down the road on the other side, we got to show them something better. We got to show them love and acceptance and understanding. And that our arms are open, even if we can't agree today. Hey, we can still be friends. Let's just, we'll keep going out. We'll keep talking. We'll keep working through this together. And that's where a lot of us were. So this was just, uh, I just felt like the Lord was like, I want you to talk about Psalm 137. I literally, I'm like, I don't want to. I, I don't want to. And I don't know how it would be relevant. And I don't know how it would help anybody. And I just like kept coming back. No, do it. Do Psalm 137. And then as I thought of it, I was like, wow, even the toughest passages in scripture, if you compare them, balance them out with the rest of scripture, they make a lot of sense. You want to stay in bondage? Point the finger. You want to get free? Say, God, search me, oh God. Another psalm. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything hurtful in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. Um, and ultimately, the attitude that we have is not dash their brains out on the rock, but what did Jesus say when he was dying for our sin, taking our penalty, our guilt, our shame, everything we deserved, what did he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And that's, that's got to be our attitude and if we're living this out, um, the world's going to see something different. And, and the Holy Spirit, people say, oh, I think America's done. I think it's all over. It's just going down the toilet. It's all, I don't think so. I think the, the offer is always open. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven forgive their sins. I'm not worried about the heathen, pagan, their sins. And I will what? Heal their land. Heal their land. So um, this is to insiders uh, who are born again. This is just what we have to live by. And this church is I love this church. This church is amazing. You guys do this. I mean, those of you that, who are members of this church, you're going, amen, hallelujah. I might not have been doing this as clearly as I should, but I know this is what God's will for my life is. I don't want to pick up bitterness. That's not going to be the way to freedom. I want to offer that same love and forgiveness that I want to receive from the Lord. So praise God. There we go. Probably won't be hearing from you on that psalm ever again. But uh, um, also, I just always want to throw this out here. If you're not born again, the Bible says, unless a person is born again, they won't see the kingdom of heaven. To love like this is supernatural. You don't, you don't say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. To your uncle who raped you or your father who abandoned you or your wife who cheated on you and be able to, like Jesus, say, God, forgive that person. I pray that they discover your love unless that love of God has invaded your heart because you have entered into covenant with God through that experience called being born again. All this stuff I'm talking about, you can't do it unless you're born again, unless you're forgiven, unless you experience the love and forgiveness of God. 
And so if you have never done that, I just, I never want to kind of leave things hanging. And there's a few new faces in here. If you don't know if you're born again, uh, please come talk to me about it. You need to be made right with God. You need to experience his love. You need to allow Jesus to be your sin bearer and him invade you with this kind of love that will allow you to even against the Babylonians say, Lord, forgive them. They're lost just like I was lost. God, forgive the Assyrians. Forgive my ex. Forgive that abusive parent. Forgive that business partner that ripped me off. Um, and I want them to experience the same love and forgiveness. So, uh, yeah, for those of you who know the Lord, just brings it all into focus. For those of you who don't, this is, this is your way to freedom. All right, well, let's pray together. And, uh, yeah, and then just hang out, fellowship. So, Father, we come before in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Help us to forgive as you've forgiven. I thank you, Lord. My hands are clean. My heart is pure because of what Jesus has done. I thank you for people in this room. They've been set free from everything. Drug addiction, sexual perversion, broken heart from abuse, depression, anxiety. Lord God, you've set us free from everything. Um, and it's, it's from you and through you and to you. So we praise you. We thank you for your word that gives us clarity. Help us to live it out. Help us not to fall into the snares that are so easy to fall into uh, so that we can be free, so that we can enjoy your presence. So we love you and thank you for this time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.